Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all very well on this Sunday evening. My name is Rory O'Hagan and here with you until 7 o'clock this evening with an hour of all the latest sport. It's been a busy day. We're going to catch up on all today's action. We're going to get reaction as well from Cork's win today over Waterford down in Clonakilty in the Munster LGFA Championship that sees the Rebels into the Munster final against Kerry in two weeks' time. We'll get a report on that in just a little bit. Also on the show, Moss Finn is going to be along to look back on Munster's win over Leinster last night that saw them book their place in the URC final. We're also going to talk to Middleton about their 50th anniversary, the plans for the future of the club and some of the club's history as well. That's all to come between now and 7 o'clock right here on the Big Red Bench. Delighted you could join us on the show this evening. If you'd like to get in touch, 086 8104 106, your texts or your WhatsApps. Sarma, 14 points, Derry 1 tennis outstands in the Ulster football final. Uh, in the first half of extra time, 6.40 on the clock there. Um, finished uh, Derry 1 10, Armagh 13 points after uh, the 70 minutes were allotted after a tense tactical battle between the two sides. But it is Armagh who have a narrow, narrow lead there at the moment. Armagh 14. 14 points, Derry 110, Derry down to uh, 14 due to a black card as well. Um, but um, the colour clash when you're watching this on TV is just absolutely dreadful. Derry for some reason in red and white. Uh, normally they're in white and red if it makes that makes sense white with a red stripe they're in red and a white um, hoop uh, today are in orange today it's their, their natural colour but they also have a black uh, away strip as well. So for some reason Derry are in red and white and Armagh in orange and white and it's very very hard to tell the difference between the two sides as you're watching this game on TV when it's on the wide angle uh, so that's an absolutely horrendous colour clash you kind of get used to it after a little bit but still it should never never have happened really should it it's absolutely dreadful uh, elsewhere today it's a victory for Dublin as uh, they claimed uh, the Leinster title today at 5.21 allowed 15 points today let's hear the report from Colm Oak full-time here in Crow Park and it is Dublin that have beaten Loud by 21 points on a scoreline of 521 to 15 points and are crowned Leinster champions for the 13th consecutive year. It was one-way traffic in the first 35 minutes with Desi Farrell's men heading into the break nine points ahead. The second half started much brighter for Loud, registering the first two scores, but any hope that the people from the weak county had was soon taken away when James McCarthy got Dublin's second goal after 44 minutes of play, and it was Dublin who took complete control of the game again. But like any of Mickey Hart's teams in the past, Loud never gave up and kept chipping away at the scoreboard right up until the 74th minute. However, it was business as usual for the Dubs as they finished the game with 21 points to spare in front of an attendance of over 40,000 people. Full time here in Crow Park and it's Dublin who are the Leinster champions winning on a scoreline of 521 to Loud's 15 points. A big, big win there for the Dubs in the Leinster football final. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Cork beating Waterford today in the Munster Ladies Football Championship. Cork 2-10, Waterford four points is out finished and a glorious day in Clonakilty. A big, big crowd there as well. Uh, elsewhere finished Kipper, or Kipperary, Kerry 2-8, Tipperary 1-5, the Kingdom booking their place in the final in Mallow against Cork on May 28th. 
8th. In football, it is Arsenal nil. Brighton won is how things stand at the moment in that game. Um, 72 minutes on the clock. Arsenal, quite simply, have to win today if they are to uh, keep in this title race. If they don't, they'll be four points behind Ars- or Manchester City uh, with a game more played. Arsenal just have two uh, games left. Manchester City have three games left. So, basically... Arsenal have to win but they're a goal down 72 minutes on the clock there as things stand at the moment uh, let's hear how Nigel Bidmead reports on the goal Arsenal nil, Brighton 1 Julio Enciso has put the visitors ahead and Arsenal's title hopes are hanging by a thread Purvis Estepinan's first cross was cleared straight back to him the second was mishit but Enciso from all of three yards out nodded it past the goalkeeper anxiety is growing amongst the home support their team really need to win to stay in the title race. Arsenal nil, Brighton one. They certainly do indeed. Manchester City extending their lead at the top today by virtue of uh, a win over Everton today. Shane Pennington. Everton nil, Manchester City three and Pep Guardiola's men extend their lead at the top if only for a couple of hours after a professional performance here on Merseyside leaves Everton still nervously hovering just outside the bottom three. Ilkay Gundogan was the visitors orchestrator. He volleyed them in front before crossing for Erling Haaland to make it two. And Gundogan killed off any hope Everton hopes of a comeback with a sublime free kick to get his second of the afternoon. The hosts huffed and puffed, but in truth were always second best. They've now got two massive games left to save themselves. Everton nil, Manchester City three. Elsewhere, Derry had equalised against Armagh. Armagh have just taken the lead there close to the end of the first half. Extra time, Armagh 15 points. Derry won 11. West Ham still not mathematically safe from relegation after today's defeat to Brentford. Guy Swindles. Brentford 2, West Ham 0. In the end, it was pretty easy as far as Brentford were concerned. They scored twice in the first half through Mbwemo and Witter and should have had many, many more. West Ham will feel slightly unlucky in the sense that there was a goal scored by Danny Ings when there was still plenty of time for an equaliser that was ruled out slightly controversially by VAR for an interesting handball. But that would have been unfair on a Brentford team who completely dominated West Ham in this East-West London derby as it finishes Brentford 2, West Ham 0. Elsewhere in the Women's FA Cup final today, Chelsea winning for a third successive year. They beat Man United 1-0 at Wembley today. Sam Kerr with the only goal of the game. A record crowd of over 77,000 at Wembley to watch that Women's Cup final today. Ireland's John Murphy carried a 71 in his final round of the Sudal Open in Antwerp. He finished up on 8 on the par that the Kinsale man. Tremendous week for him. Simon Forster with Sweden, the winner on 17 under par. Elsewhere, Seamus Power 4 under for the day. He's 30 under overall after eight holes of his final round at the Bar Nelson in Texas he's in a tie for 14th the uh, Austin Ecrocrat uh, leads the way on 17 under par cycling the Belgian Remco Evenepoel has cl- reclaimed the pink jersey on stage 9 this year to tell he won the stage by a single second over Britain's Grant Thomas Eddie Dunbar of Cork is 12th in general classification with Ben Healy in 51st uh, just uh, some results as well today from the uh, Red FM Senior Hurling League 
In Division 1 and finished Carrick 219 Sarsfields at 24 points. In the Pearcy 214 Kent 111 it finished Charleville at 19 points Killa 13 points. Elsewhere it, in Division 2 it finished Bride Overs 214 Bishopstown 412 and uh, from Moy 120 St Finbar's 118 at Newtown Chandler 122 Mallow 122. Elsewhere Ireland currently in action against Bangladesh in their one day international. Bangladesh posting a total Total of 274 in response. Ireland are 223 for three. They need 52 runs in 54 balls to win there. So it's also up for a grand slam finish. All right, still Arsenal, bright moment. Keep you posted on that as well. Going to talk about a tremendous day for Cork. Uh, ladies footballers in Clonakilty a big big crowd down there as well down in Clon and looked like a good day weather wise as well for today's game as uh, Cork uh, defeated Waterford Cork now going to face Kerry in the final in Mallow let's uh, get reaction from the game our man Jer McCarthy was down there and he spoke to Cork's Roisin Phelan uh, Roisin Phelan congratulations into a monster final against Kerry first of all playing in front of such a big crowd today in West Cork what was that like as a, from a player's point of view yeah, look, it's lovely to see such a big crowd out, um, particularly at the stage of the stage of the year. You know, um, it's great to come down to West Cork and see such a big crowd here and see such all, all the young girls here. They're even copying our warm down. So if they keep doing things like that, hopefully they'll be injury free for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really nice to see that underage trying to copy what you're doing. Can I ask you, your your, your ankle is strapped. We don't know the extent yet, but it looked pretty painful fall. Yeah, it was it was sore. Like, isn't there's a bit of a shock there? Hopefully, it's just a stinger and it's nothing serious. But we'll assess it during the week and go from there. Some defensive effort today to hold Waterford. You've played Waterford enough times to know how good they are. To a single score from open play, that's real, real teamwork and good effort from all the entire defence and your goalkeeper. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, as in it's something that we're working on. We're trying to give them less opportunities to score from. Uh, we did a good job today, and hopefully, we can keep it up. Looking forward to facing Kerry in the Munster final in two weeks time. Yeah, look, as in like the last the last match was a was a good was a good turnout. We'll hopefully get more support the next time we come out. Uh, if half the support comes out here that came out today, then we'll be we'll be flying. Excellent stuff. We'll talk to you then. No Thanks, Mel. That's feeling there in conversation uh, with Jar Mac. Let's hear from Orla Callan. Uh, Orla Callan, congratulations! Good win for Cork here today. But first of all, uh, with your West Cork connections, yeah. what did it feel like playing in West Cork today? Oh, it was some atmosphere, especially playing in a, a small, tight stadium like this. It was that you could really hear the crowd compared to last week in um, Parky Cueve. And it was obviously great to have a few of my family here from West Cork to support me. Yeah, quite a lot of Calans here as well today shouting you on. More importantly, you got the victory and you're into a, you're into a Munster final. Um, you really shut down Waterford from the start. Yeah, it's been something we've been working on now during the week to how to stop them and how to play our own game, obviously, as well. But uh, it obviously worked out here today, so thank um, you. You're pleased to be starting. I know you've got quite a lot of commitments on the dual side of things, but you started today and you played really, really well. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I was, I was obviously disappointed last week when I wasn't starting, but I think I did enough then to get on to the starting team, so I was happy with that. Quite a lot of competition for places this year, so it's not an easy thing to do. Definitely, yeah. Even in training this week, like there's still people pushing for positions and the Munster final will be a different story. It could be a completely different team out again. And just finally, playing in front of such a huge crowd as well here today, a nice touch for everybody involved in the Cork Senior setup to get that kind of support. Yeah, it was great. Like it, the kids out here after the match, it, the atmosphere is something else. Um, yeah, it was great. So you'd like to come back basically? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed just playing West Cork.
All the best in the Munster final with Tarty again. Thanks very much, Orla. Thank you. Yeah, you'd imagine they'll be back in Clonakilty, as you was mentioning, a big crowd there. I think about 1,200 uh, in attendance uh, to watch Cork today. So you'd imagine the Cork Lace footballers will be back to play in Clonakilty. Uh, right, let's us get the reaction now of Cork boss uh, Shane Ronane. He's been in conversation with you. Okay, Shane first before we talk about the performance and the victory and congratulations on reaching a Munster final, talk to me about the occasion because bringing a big high profile game like this to West Cork, you don't know what it's going to be like in terms of a crowd, at least 1,200 people here today shouting you on, big difference for the girls. Absolutely, uh, you know I have to commend everybody here in West Cork, um, you know Van Ryan, chairperson of the club down here, uh, it, just incredible the, the crowd and the organisation and how welcome they made us feel. Um, you know, and it's it's certainly something we'll do again. I'd say, Jerry, you know, it might be for the league, the league games next year. You know, we'll see what the, where, the, where the rest of the championship goes. But fantastic occasion. Um, always probably knew it would be, but still to have that crowd behind us, you know, it was fantastic. And look, it's uh, it's great to see all the younger players out there today and out there. You know, we were warming down there, and all the young girls were mimicking what the girls were doing. Look, that's fantastic. They're their heroes, and we're delighted to be able to bring it down here. And I have to commend everybody in Clannacilty, Clannacilty GA, and everybody surrounding communities around here fantastic setup. Let's talk about the match firstly some statistics one point from open play shutting down our Waterford attack you must be delighted not just with your goalkeeper but your entire defence and team's effort to do that. Yeah look it's something we've, we've been really working on the last few weeks to up our tackle count and um, you know uh, and stop stop. Like we, in the first two games we conceded 1-14 1-2-14 you know we have a great attack but you're, you're defence wins championships that's the reality and we're very very happy with that like that first half they only had three shots may have a three kickouts, you know, and there were three points from freeze, you know, so very happy with that. Look, there was a couple of ones in the second half, they, you know, they had to come out and play and take us on, but I thought our defence was, was outstanding, the tackles went in, and to be honest with you, like, we'd be very disappointed with the free count, I thought a lot of the freeze weren't freeze at all, for both sides, not just ourselves, you know, it's senior football game, you know, we'd be disappointed with that, with the, I think he was a bit whistle happy, but look, you know, I think that, that affected both sides, but we're very, very happy with our defence. Laura Fitzgerald is a player you know very, very well. You've seen her come up through the ranks. You've, she's in the senior intercounty ranks. She's been plagued by injuries to come off the bench and score 1-2 and show some of her best form. You, of all people, must be extremely happy for that. see that. Absolutely delighted for her, Jory. You know, um, I suppose no one knows what she goes, had gone through there the last year. She was flying it last year, uh, last April. Uh, an awkward fall at training and destroyed her knee. And when she came back playing for Moran Abbey, she had, hadn't had the operation and she just rehabbed it. But it just wasn't coming right, so she had an operation before Christmas and has had to work so, so hard to get back. Absolutely delighted for her. And you know when you bring on Fitzy, you know, she gets a chance, like a first two touches, two points. And, um, you know, a brilliant goal there near the end. So look, we're delighted for her. And you could see by the reaction of, of all the squad after the game how much Fitzy means to all of us. Um, you know, and I think, you know, you see players from all, every club going in to congratulate her. A special moment for her. And, um, you know, we're delighted. And look again, that impact off the bench is huge again today. You know, and I think... That's, what's going to, that's what it's going to take for the rest of the summer. It's going to be a 20-player game for the rest of the summer. And again, different players got on today. Different players started today. We, we're building a good squad. Um, we're very happy where we are going. We know we've work to do against for you know the next day to be to be better against Kerry because we can't be relying on miraculous comebacks. Yeah. But uh, look, job done today. You're delighted with it. Um, you know, as I said, a very very good defensive performance as well. 
Congratulations for seeing the Monster final. Thanks very much, Joe. Uh, Shane one in there in conversation with Jarrah after uh, a good win today over uh, Waterford, and they will now face Kerry in the Monster final. That'll be in Mallow two weeks from today. And don't forget for more uh, from Joe McCarthy, you can check out the uh, Women's Sport podcast every Thursday on Cork's Red FM, and uh, you can get uh, all the latest podcasts from there as well. Or you can go to redfm.ie or get your podcasts uh, from wherever you get your podcasts from just search for Big Red Bench in your podcast provider it's our mass 17 points Derry won 12 um, 17 minutes gone there so another 3 minutes left to play uh, in the uh, Ulster football final um, but yeah it's very very close Derry have a free here just to bring it a little bit closer so this will be uh, Derry reducing the deficit to just a single point if it goes over the bar it's up and it's over so that'll be our mass 17 points in Derry 113 so point and that is very very close indeed and Arsenal still losing 1-0 to Brighton 83 minutes on the clock there we are now going to talk rugby though and it was a terrific day for Munster yesterday at the Aviva Stadium a famous victory against Leinster as the Reds booked their place in the URC final winning 16 points to 15 Jack Crowley the game's winning um, drop goal thing of absolute beauty and this was just a Munster side who do not know what the word quit is they were absolutely brilliant brilliant yesterday against admittedly um, a Leinster side who might have one eye on the uh, Champions Cup final against La Rochelle coming up next week but Munster are into the final against the Stormers in South Africa in two weeks time let us hear now from both managers we're going to hear from Graham Roundtree and we're going to hear from Leo Collin and after that we're going to get some analysis from our friend the man who uh, beat the All Blacks in Toman Park we are going to hear from um, Mr Mosfin. Was I starting to feel hope? Was hope gone? No. No, we were still in the game. T- we tend to stick in the game. You know, I think this is good. Um, I think just before the end of the third quarter, I thought we'd, we'd missed a golden opportunity on, on the try line. We've got to be better near the opposition try line than we were tonight. But no, never hopeless. This, this group, don't give in. And... Um, We've come through some fires the last few weeks. You know, we go to Cape Town and be our sixth away game on the bounce. Um, and that's when we're finding out about people. And we're tough, hardened, battle-hardened. So I was never hopeless. You know, this team, don't go away. Yeah. Not perfect. As I say, we've got to be more clinical. We spoke about it at half-time. More clinical near the opposition try line. And these are a very good team, who, regardless of whoever they have on the field. Very good team. So I know we weren't perfect, but delighted with the fight and the spirit. We're to a final, lads. You know, I said to the group in the week, <clears throat> 23, actually 25 days ago, we were paranoid about European qualification. Now we're in a semi, now we're in a final. And the game's still growing, we're finding out about people. Um, Pete spoke really well in the dressing room about this not being a final tonight. So we go down to Cape Town with belief. I'm seeing tangible improvements in our game. I saw that when results weren't going our way back in the autumn, I had full belief in what I'd seen being done in training and the connection the lads had with the coaches. But we're here to win, aren't we, in in this sport? And to get this far and get to a final, we'll be gunning for it. How you train every day, what we're doing, Training every day, we've changed that a lot. You've got to train at intensity, test your skills under pressure. Um, and then on top of that, 
you know, we've not had the ability to chop and change and rest a lot of our squad. We had a, a core group of battled away from home for five weeks now, and that's given them true belief. But no, you know, our fitness, our fitness has been a huge improvement this year. Like I thought, our guys, you know, they scrambled well. Um, you know, like the challenge with some of the selection is around some of the cohesion. Like, and you know, that we knew we were taking a bit of a, a risk with that piece. Um, we talked about the challenge of trying to fight on two fronts, and that's unfortunately we've come unstuck with it today. So, um, for us now, it's just can't dwell on it too much. That's the reality. So I can't dwell too much on what what's just been. We've had a huge game now this weekend, or was the next weekend against La Rochelle here. Um, and yet they'll be desperate as well to retain their trophy. So you'll see two, you'll see two teams going hard at it again, um, and hopefully be a great occasion. But that's what we got to look forward to now. Um, there's lots of things in there, that game there today we can be better at. Um, but it's it's over now. It's unfortunately, you got to give Munster credit; they stuck at it to right to the very end. Um, for our guys, we just got to look forward now, and get excited by the week. Well, that's what I just said. <laughs> we lacked a bit of cohesion, yeah. Yeah, it's a, definitely with the team that we have, yeah, for sure. Um, you've a couple of guys coming back in at this stage of the year as well, like, and that's that's the challenge, isn't it, for us? Um, yeah, it didn't quite go our way. Like, we're very close to it, you know, very close to closing out the game. Um, it's disappointing we weren't quite able to do that. Um, but again, you've got to give credit to Munster. Like, there's two teams that are fighting out right to the very end, so. Um, and they nailed their opportunity right to death and we don't get another opportunity so um, we were very very close to winning the semi-final um, unfortunately not quite good enough today Okay, we heard from Leo Cullen there and from Graham Rowntree I'm delighted to be joined by our great friend Mr Moss Finn to discuss yesterday's game Moss, how are you sir? Very good Rory, excellent after yesterday <laughs> Yeah, I mean like yeah. talk about drama, I mean like that has to be one of the most dramatic finishes to a Munster Leinster game I can remember for quite a while and particularly with the intensity, it reminded me in, in boxing parlance of the great fight between marvellous Marvin Hagler and the hitman Hearns when they punched each other to a standstill after three rounds. And <laughs> But this game went on for the full 12 rounds. It was, it was intense from the word go until the final whistle. I don't know how Munster got the reserve of strength to go back up the field that time because the intensity and of the defence, the intensity of the attack... The intensity of everything for the whole game was quite immense. Extraordinary game. It was absolutely sensational stuff indeed. And it kind of epitomised Munster's just never say die attitude. And that's something that can't be coached, it can't be taught. You just either have it or you don't. And Munster had that in spades yesterday. And it was definitely absent, absent in, in, in for the whole tenure of Van Gran, I must say. And Roundtree has got off to a kind of a rough start. But he kept saying it, and that he he'll get there. He's a work in progress. We're progressing, and they delivered yesterday. And he seems to be a very grounded individual, just like Farlan. He got that little bit of spirit. You, you you would say, without fear of contradiction, that the performance was akin to Munster in the in the noughties, mm. the 2006 winning Heineken Cup team, 2000. They had that resolve of spirit to keep coming back, and as you say, and never say die attitude. Yeah. Unbelievable, and. and and fantastic yeah it was incredible and like uh, we've spoken before about Jack Crowley and the potential that this young man has and for him to step up and take that kick yesterday with the eyes of 29,000 people in the Aviva Stadium watching him all the eyes yeah. at home watching on TV just shows the metal of the young man yeah and the, the entire match at stake you know and I think we were lucky in the sense that 
Healy got injured and we were, we, we, we had to shove Crowley into 10 because I probably would have started him at 10 because Rory Scandal is, is a good player and I know Fekito was injured so they possibly thought that Healy and Crowley were a better combination than, than Scandal and Crowley at 10 but the fact that he went back into 10 it brought him into the focal position when it really, really mattered and you know, Lenehan alluded to it there on the radio and on, on the television about he saw him playing for Bandon Grammar against the big boys, CBC and PBC, and he, he has that resolve, that metal, that ability to capture the moment, kind of Ronan O'Gara-esque. Mm. And he delivered when it really, really mattered, because if he missed, it was all over. Yeah, it was sensational. What's the, what do you make of the argument that, I suppose, that Leinster had one eye on, I suppose, next week and the, the Champions Cup final, and obviously maybe were a bit distracted going into yesterday's game and they didn't give it their all as a result? Well, it's you. You have to, you have you have to um, you have to show respect for that. I mean, they had we, we they they were short eleven front liners for Ireland, not to mind Leinster. So <laughs> essentially, we were playing a Leinster second team. No, having said that, you can only play in front of you, and the Leinster reserve team would have the beating of most teams in the world at this particular time. But there is no doubt that they have their eye on La Rochelle next weekend, and having failed there last year and. Their last Heineken Cup was 2018 and they should have won maybe everyone since. So there's no question or doubt that they were preoccupied with that. But having said that, the Leinster second team have wonderful players and certainly a lot of them will be going to the World Cup with Ireland as well. Mm. So yes, you can only beat what they put in, what, what's put in front of you. But we, we did that and, 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 and did it very, very well. And it's always well for the future. I mean, we had we had a fierce monkey on our back. Like to, we, we, they beat us... 12 out of the last 13 meetings like it's been 12 years since we beat them it's it mm. was it was a huge achievement in many ways and I, I couldn't get over the resolve you know the, the defense there was incredible like when and it's the transformation that has that has um sort of surprised me in the sense that about two months ago there we were leaking tries incredibly our defense was terrible we 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 dropped about 130 points in three or four matches but whatever happened in South Africa, the day we beat the Stormers and we beat the the Sharks, or we drew with the Sharks a week later and then went to Glasgow and won, whatever happened over that period of time, there's a whole different mindset and an attitude within Munster and let's hope that it kicks on well into next season and obviously into mm. in, in a fortnight's time. You know? I think, Moss, with that trip to South Africa, it was almost like a, a mini training camp, if you will, because you're away from your bubble at home. All you have to do is focus on work for, for two weeks. They put in two tremendous performances and then that gets the morale up and that then has an, an infectious quality that rubs off throughout the team. Incredibly so. And throughout everything, even the subs and, and all that, they... they Obviously, the, the, this fellow Roundtree, Graham Roundtree, is a very, is a good guy. Like, and you know, like Farrell, he, he seems to be a very grounded individual. You can even see that in the interviews. He's, he's quite a nice man, but and a kind of a friendly leader type. I wouldn't say he's that ruthless and that, but I'd say they've got to know him. They like his methods, their systems. You know, Leamy has helped, Prendergast has helped. But when you spend time with people, it, it takes more than a year for these things to cement. And I say it was that trip abroad, as you say. It was a mini training camp that 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 seemed to galvanise everything, and there's no question or doubt. Like if Munster weren't 100% on their game and playing for each other with that level of intensity and spirit, they wouldn't have beaten that Leinster team. They'd have been home and hose. Like it was the result not to give away scores for other teams. I mean, Leinster have put 40 and 50 points on most teams, even their reserve team like yesterday. Mm -hmm. So 
we showed great results as you say I think that was galvanised in that trip and it is the Stormers to come from Munster in the final in two weeks time as you mentioned Moss they've gone to South Africa they've beaten the Stormers and there's no reason why they can't do that again in two weeks absolutely um, you know South Africa what you see is what you get always they're a root one team they try and beat you up if they can't beat you up they might kick a few penalties but that, that's about it um, we did. We there's no question. We 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 should start favourites. I think because we have beaten them out there before. Um, they're not the greatest side in the world, and they have a very average place kicker, which makes a difference. Like Connacht had them on the rack yesterday for uh, for long periods, and mm. they were only six six points down with five minutes to go, and the boys got two tries in the end, which flattered the Stormers. But Connacht ran them close. Now Connacht aren't bad, because they beat a good Ulster team, but. I think we we have a good chance against them, and particularly because I don't think their place kicker is great. And the South Africans having got a place kicker, it makes a big difference to them. Because I don't think they have the fleet of foot and the dexterity of mind to to play the running game and sort of beat you that way. So I'd be very hopeful, Roy. Mm. It's twelve years since Munster last won some silverware, which is uh, an absolute famine for for Munster rugby supporters. What would a win do for this team, and what would it do for Graham Rowntree's project going forward? Well, it would would galvanise it, and would show that would show that what he's doing is right. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of acrimony for without using too strong a term between the clubs and Munster, and that mm-hmm. Munster has fifty five or fifty seven professional players. They're very seldom released to the clubs, and you'd wonder what in the name of God were they doing with them, particularly when they were playing so badly. So if we got a, a little bit of silverware, it would certainly help things going forward and, and, and change things because we were so used to success in the noughties like that. It, we've gone through a very barren period and it, it would help Munster Rugby in a, big, in a big way. And this might even manifest, say, back down to club level, which I'm trying to say is that like the Terry York on Tarf the Dublin teams, the same as Leinster, seem to be dominating the National League, the AIL as well, you know, so hopefully this will be the first of many things, both at club level and at, at, at interprovincial level. If we can get a trophy, I think it would help the whole attitude and recruitment even possibly down here. Well, fingers crossed that will come to fruition. Just before we wrap up, Marsh, just a word on that Champions Cup final next week between um, Leinster and La Rochelle. Um, how do you think that's going to go? I would see Leinster as raging favourites, but um, the O'Gara is one of the shrewdest coaches in the world at this stage. Mm. And if anyone can unlock Leinster, then he has the rugby acumen to do that. He did it last year, and he'll have to find a way this year. Now, I don't think La Rochelle are as good as they were last year, but they still are very, very powerful. And if... If La Rochelle are there with the la- going into the last quarter, I think La Rochelle could do it. But I think Leinster will have learned from last year, be a little bit cuter. You will have all the emotion about Stuart Lancaster leaving and all that. And as you say, they've been building all year for this. And this is this this is their holy grail. Like They, they have to win it, really, for with Lancaster going away. And given the way they've played all season, if they come up without a trophy, it would be an absolute travesty. Mm-hmm. Because they are the best team in the world, no doubt. And... Like if 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 you wanted to be realistic about it, the the main thrust of them, the main their main players probably would be playing in, in the World Cup as well. So this Leinster team is the Irish team that is essentially going to the World Cup for today. So mm-hmm. if we don't beat La Rochelle, I'd be a bit worried. But I think they will beat well La Rochelle. But I'd be very careful 
of what kind of a jack-in-the-box Ron Nagar will pull out. <laughs> exactly. He's a, a very yeah. tactically a shrewd coach. There was a fantastic piece in the Examiner this week talking about uh, Ron Nagar's coaching career that started almost 10 years ago to the day and his evolution since then and his progress since then. Where would you see his next move after La Rochelle? But uh, that being said, he seems fairly content there. He does, and they have. They have. It's it's very like Munster in ways. They have a, they have a fantastic home support. Like they meet in the town square, like for parties and things like that with the whole population. And um, he was very calculated about his his career in coaching, and he never dived in too quickly. He started as an assistant, and then became a, a kind of a co-coach and then he went to New Zealand to learn more and that so he he has the pedigree and he's clever where he'll go after this I'm not so sure but there's one thing certain like the bit even when O'Gara was a player the the most the, the, the strongest part of him was the six inches between his two ears he's a very intelligent man so whatever he'll do next I'm not so sure because he is content at the moment and I'd say generally people would love to have him come back to Ireland but I said that would be the last place he'll come to before he finishes you know I think he's got a lot more to do before that I mean there was talk about the England job and all that but at this point in time he's happy in La Rochelle and lifestyle and all that is suiting him you know but he's a wonderful guy and to be great to harness his abilities and bring them back to mm-hmm. to our island you know Moss yeah. as always sir a pleasure thanks for joining us today on the Big Red Bench No problem Rob Always a pleasure talking to the legend that is Mr. Moss Finn and that will be a cracking URC final coming up in two weeks as uh, Munster head back to South Africa to face the Stormers. Derry and Armagh has gone to penalties. Armagh have just missed their second penalty. It's Derry 1, Armagh 1 in the penalty count. Derry still has to take their third penalty, but it's certainly advantage uh, to the Oakleaf County there. And what about this for a result? Arsenal 0, Brighton 3. The title race is all but over. Arsenal really needed to win this game to stay on the coattails of Manchester City. But goals from Julio Enciso is third of the season. Dennis Udendav near the end. And Purvis Estepino in stoppage time handed Brighton a boost in their quest for European football. And Cisse nodded home from close range after Arsenal failed to deal with a cross from the left Undaz lobbed the keeper when Leandro Trossard gave the wall away and then Estepinen knocked in a rebound very late in the game Arsenal 0 Brighton 3 Derry has scored their third penalty so it's Derry 2 Armagh 1 is how things stand there in that penalty shootout we'll get you a result on that in a bit but up next we are talking to Middleton Football Club about their incredible 50 year history The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie The Big Red Bench you're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM and Derry have beaten Armagh 3-1 on penalty kicks. Absolutely drama, drama-filled stuff there um, from that game. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant, brilliant stuff indeed. And uh, Derry are the champions. Derry goalkeeper Lynch, um, three superb saves 
and uh, Derry are the Ulster champions. Um, yeah, gripping, gripping game there at uh, the Ulster final. But uh, we're going to turn our attentions now to uh, football. Middleton FC celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. So uh, to discuss the club's plans for the anniversary year and their plans for the future of the club, I've been speaking to the club's chairman and founding secretary, their current secretary and their treasurer. Okay, my name is uh, Denise McArdle and I am the club secretary and also, I suppose, I oversee the girls' section of the club. I'm Mick Kirby, President Club Chairman, uh, founder secretary uh, in 1973. Uh, Massey Horgan, the club treasurer. Uh, Mick, much start with yourself. Um, you were there when it all started. Can you tell us, I suppose, about the, the genesis of Middleton FC and how it all came about? Um, back in 73 is when we kicked off. But I suppose it originally happened when... Um, when a, gr- a group of us uh, at 14 years of age we, we joined St John Bosco's U Club which which later to become Farramuffa's U Club in memory of of a priest that was ex- extremely talented and very helpful for young people in Middleton at the time and um, I, I joined uh, the U Club in, at the time as a committee member at 15 years of age and we kept playing in our football um, three aside, four aside a group of us and um we came to 17 years of age and we said, you know, we, we said, let's do something bigger. <laughs> let's play 11 aside football. And um, it was then that we, we had a meeting at the, at the committee of the of Farrell Muffy's U Club. And it was there on that decision on the 11th of June that uh, they gave us the backing and the go ahead to, to form a U team and join the Cock Athletic Union League. Uh-huh. So that's how we kicked off a bunch of lads kicking the Basically, kicking the ball. that's it, yeah. And I suppose the growth of the club since then, I'd imagine like you've been there for the whole thing, it must be just, it must blow your mind to think back to so 50 years ago to that one team, lads just kicking the ball around to, to what it's become now. Yeah, it's, I suppose when you, when you look at it now, it's extraordinary. Um, um, from one team, um, at the time that we entered the Cork Athletic Union League, um, we had one football, we went up the Finns Corner in Cork um, <laughs> to buy our first uh, kit, which was the Manchester United third strip at the time yellow and blue and um, that was the kick off we didn't have any goals we didn't have any pitch um, we had to borrow everything um, and it was the starting point and I suppose when you look at it today now we have 850 members we have 34 teams um, we are growing at every level particularly girls at, at this time and um, we, we've developed a huge club in Knock Griffin Park uh-huh. um, with facilities that really are are fantastic and a tribute to everyone has been involved over the years so um, huge amount has happened both on and off the field um, with successes at every level so yeah great memories Denise can you talk to me about your involvement in the club and when it all began okay so I suppose I came to Middleton in 96 and um, got married and I suppose the story goes <laughs> is I was out pushing my buggy with the two kids and I was going past the pitch and I saw some girls playing right so I thought okay in we go Mm. and um, they were a group of under 16 girls and there was a guy coaching them but he was moving on Mm. so I took over and then that was in 2001 and then um, and one of those players actually went on to be an international senior Mm -hmm. player Karina Richards Mm. and um, and then I suppose we just started building and building and building from under 12s up and now we have a very busy academy 
that's growing all the time and I think the the Women's World Cup is going to make girls soccer uh-huh. even more I suppose put it more out there in the public eye and um, we're having a, some great seasons this afternoon we have the under 15s in the cup final our under 17s are this year's monster champions uh-huh. um, and they'll probably do the treble they're also in the um, under 17 CWSSL which is the Cork Women and School Girls League uh-huh. that final and um, they're also unbeaten in the league so we're which, uh, like I mean we're shown now from years ago from the team who have always been beaten <laughs> to now the team that you have to beat <laughs> It must give you a, a tremendous sense of pride as well to see the explosion of women's yeah. football in the club oh, but I suppose yeah, not even great. just in your club but in Cork as a whole yeah, in Ireland oh, as a whole in Cork as a whole and we're all like one big family you know mm-hmm. everybody everybody you know all the coaches you know all the players um, I mean, we had Saoirse Noonan last week down with the Academy Girls. She's home, mm. you know. So, yeah, it's um, it's all looking great. That must have been a great buzz to have Saoirse down, like, you know, Irish oh, international, yeah, an absolute legend. Yeah. Oh, the girls. I mean, they, they were all shell-shocked and starstruck first. <laughs> I mean, they were just looking at her. and um, But she was great. She chatted to them, kicked the ball around with them and signed, I'd say... About 60 jerseys, about 20 pair of boots. She signed everything. She was fantastic. So, um, big shout out there. Thank you, Sasha. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about your involvement with the club and how long you've been involved with Middleton. Yeah, I started uh, with the first schoolboy team, which was formed by Teddy Lamb in his back garden, basically, (laughs) when he realised there was a group of players around his son's age that were handy enough. And he... He got a friendly against his hometown, Springfield, and it proved to be a very significant result on the day, and he said, we have to get a team together. So mm-hmm. that's where school by football started in Middleton. Um, back in, I think it was probably 80, 81, 82. 81. And um, it went, that, that team kicked off and went on through the years to win a national cup at under-16 level. So... To this, to this day, we still claim to be the most successful team in the club. <laughs> we, have, we have a team next week with a, 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 an opportunity to beat us. They were runners-up last year in, in the National Cup against Shamrock Rovers, and uh, they're in the final again next mm. week, so they have an opportunity to get a, a winner and a runner-up, which will top us. So <laughs> I wish them all the best in doing that yeah. next week. So he says true gritted teeth, he says. F- fingers crossed. <laughs> um, I suppose the schoolboys division is the, the heartbeat of any successful club, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, and I think... In school cross division. O- o- over the years, we've found, probably in the early years of school boys, it was get whoever you can to manage the boys you can get. From that, we grew to a situation where we started them in an academy, and Pat Coakley started an indoor academy in the community centre of Middleton, and that was kind of the start of coaching players at a very young age, maybe five or six. And we've developed that to a huge degree now where there's a couple of hundred kids and the boys on a Sunday and there's I think 70 girls on a Saturday um, which is fantastic and it, it also feeds coaches and parents mm. into the club from a very early age when it's easy to get involved mm. it's not too difficult to coach five or six year olds some fellas might give out me about saying that now but uh, <laughs> sometimes very difficult but uh, I did it myself for years so I got great fun out of it I must say and uh, it certainly helps feed and develop the club going forward from there. 
Uh, Mick, I suppose when the club has grown so much over the last 50 years and you've been at the cold face of it, I mean, like, what are the, I suppose, biggest challenges that have arisen as Middleton as a club has grown, but also Middleton as a place has grown as well? Yeah, I think the, the one that sticks out at the moment really is, is land. It's more playing space. Uh, a club like us that is constantly growing over the last 35 years every year and adding extra teams on uh, demand facilities, particularly training facilities, becomes a huge challenge. Um, we've had to go outside and look for other land, all weather pitches and Carrick Tool, and also in Mid- Middleton College, uh, who've been great uh, in helping us take that pressure off. Um, we, we, we've developed facilities, um, our own five aside in, in Middleton, over the years, which, is, which has been brilliant. We developed more changing room facilities to cater for the growth again. And for years, we've been trying to acquire extra land, and it's we do feel going forward. We we do need three more pitches. Um, it's 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 a massive for us to to take us to the next level and to cater for the growth that's going on. Middleton Middleton is booming at the moment, mm. and there's huge plans for about three thousand more houses in the Washbuck development area. So there's a lot happening, and there's huge interest in football, uh, and, and kids want to play it. And we're reaching a level, and I suppose with the reason we're probably so successful is. All the teams now are on the Premier Divisions. Uh-huh. Um, so we're really doing something right. We've, we have a thriving academy and um, there's a great development and a partnership with Cover Football. And all our coaches are buying into it. And, and it's paying dividends. And, and it's rubbing off. And so many want to come and join us from outside uh-huh. the, the greater Middleton area. And Denise, what have been the, the challenges, I suppose, on the women's side of, of things over the last number of years? Um, I haven't really... I can't say we've had any challenges. I think from... Day one, we've been lucky. The girls and the boys have always been seen as equal. Mm-hmm. There was never any difference. And I have to thank Mick for that. <laughs> and um, But I suppose the challenge is, yes, it's more to get more women involved mm-hmm. in the coaching side. There's just very few out there. And it's mostly men who are coaching and they'd be dads. So that's our big obstacle is trying to get more women involved in coaching. The past players and stuff like that, even yeah. mothers of the kids yeah. and stuff like that yeah. as well. Yeah, so that's the important thing. If we can try and get them to kind of get more involved. But look, it's slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. <laughs> but as you say, with the World Cup on the horizon, it is going to put such a focus on women's football that mm. it should hopefully yeah. makes yes. like recruitment a little bit easier. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully. You know, I mean, we do try and um, like... In fairness, we offer any new coach that comes in, we offer them, you know, to do the coaching courses. Mm -hmm. I mean, coach education is a big part of the club. So, and that's an incentive, I think, that people are interested, you know, and they like to kind of think, oh, yeah, you know, because we're not just throwing them in, Mm -hmm. you know, they're getting the opportunity to learn about coaching, you know, and learn about the game and how you coach kids. And they all... You coach every different age group. They kind of it's a different coaching way mm-hmm. that you do. You know exactly. Yeah, and also is that kind of similar? I suppose all around the club as well is kind of getting volunteers and coaches involved. And has that been a kind of a, a difficulty? Because I, I think for every club, it's getting volunteers and board can be somewhat of an issue. Absolutely. Yeah, volunteers are the the heartbeat of any club, as we all know. But the as I said, with the academy has certainly been a great help to us to ease people into the club and to get to know people around the club and feel at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saturday and Sunday mornings, there's so many parents and kids around. Um, it makes it very easy for them to get involved, but 
like the involvement can come in in so many different ways. Like we have people that have no football background, but they might be in administration at work. So they'll, they'll do that part of the, the team manager's mm-hmm. job. And the team manager can concentrate on the coaching maybe. And breaking down the parts, breaking down some of the parts makes the job a lot more easy and it makes it more enjoyable because mm-hmm. everybody feeds off each other. And it, at the end of the day, it needs to stay enjoyable because... If it's not enjoyable, you're going to walk away from it. Exactly, yeah. Um, Mick, as you say, like the club is very successful at the moment, but looking back over the 50 years, what are the results that kind of stick out to you as important or the biggest results in Middleton's history? I suppose you'd always look at the first um, and the first uh, trophy in, um, in what is it, 78, I think it was, a, and, uh, it was a first junior trophy. Um, then you had the schoolboys coming on board, which was the next step, the mm-hmm. National Barry Cup. Which was a huge one. Um, our first senior trophy, the King Cup, um, in 1990. Um, our first Premier League trophy in '91, um, doing the double the following year. Um, big one stands out. It's our first FAI Cup qualification against against Parkville and Navan. We went to three matches. We were the only team left in Cork City and Cove. We're not in it anymore. Mm. <laughs> and so it was exciting. And um, th- then. Quite later, then we drew Bray Wanderers in the in the FA Cup. They were the cup holders at the time, mm-hmm. and um, almost touching four thousand people came to knock Griffin. Yeah. You know, we knocked out the, the cup holders. That was a really exciting day for everyone and, and the people around Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a that was a super day, uh, and so much has happened from there on. From from players getting capped for Ireland, Billy Woods transferred to Coventry, John Ryan going to Brighton. Mm. Um, with so many schoolboy internationals players, then we moved on to the girls coming into developing themselves more and being more prominent in success as well. And we had it last weekend, uh, the Monster Champions. Um, it, it's it's happening everywhere, which which is exciting um, um, to see so much success co- come along the way. And um, and then along the way, then we as a club we developed ourselves um, through the FEI, through the through the club mark program. Um, we were one of the six clubs to to actually achieve um, that standard. I mean, we're now a one-start club mm-hmm. with an, an FEI development centre, uh, which is a great achievement. And during our pathway, we also won Club of the Year in 2012. And again, we were involved in the final in 2017, I think was the was the date for that one. Um, so uh, we're thriving in, in many ways. And it, this is, a, this is a, really a credit to the people we have around us, the, the volunteers, the effort is going in by by so many people on and off the field. Um, it's a credit to all of them, really. Things what kind of the big results that stand out from the, the ladies' side of things when you look back? Um, well, I suppose as Mick said, we'd have girls who have gone on to um, the US to America on soccer scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Karina was uh, our first senior international player, and. And then throughout the years, we've had girls on the um, Irish under-15 schools teams who have won the Bob Doherty Cup. We have, um, I suppose, as well, a lot of our players are kind of moving on to play with Cork City, with Cove Ramblers, down to Waterford. So at least you know that we're developing the players Mm -hmm. to get to that next level, you know. And one of our ex-players is... um, 
Kira Senna. She came to us from Watergrass Hill to play Premier Football. And um, she's now with Cork City and she's also Irish International at under 16, under 17, under 19. Uh-huh. You know, so, you know, that's what you, that's really important. And it's, you know, Kira ha- comes to the club as well to meet the girls and she wears her gear and or and either her city <laughs> gear or whatever Early and they gear, just yeah. love it you know yeah. and you know it's a kind of a it's giving them somebody to to look up to and say I want to be like her you know yeah, exactly do you know those role models are so yeah. important yeah exactly so yeah. that's it and I suppose you know we've we've won cups along the way and leagues along the way I suppose the big thing is this year the under 17s there with being monster champions is a big one. Huge, know. yeah. Yeah. Huge achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, lads, it's the, the 50th anniversary of the club this year and you certainly have a, a lot of events and stuff planned like that for, for, for throughout the course of the year. Yeah. Um, we hope to, to launch the the 50th celebrations and the, the anniversary, which is the 10th of June, and by going back to Fadam Orfizu Club, whereas Mick said... The vast majority of the club don't even know where it is. That's a, <laughs> yeah. Um, where is yeah, it? We had the question asked last week. Yeah. Where's that? <laughs> and uh, because unfortunately there is no youth club mm. in town anymore, and um, it's a it's a small hall. As Mick said, they used to play three and four aside. So I'll tell you how small it was. <laughs> but um, it's just it, it is the birthplace of the club, and. We look forward to celebrating and having a, a plaque placed up on the wall in the, the youth club to, in memory of those that started the club back then mm-hmm. because the mix says now you're looking at 850 plus members and that wouldn't be there only for those. Mick and, and the rest of the lads that played alongside him decided to get together and I think Pat Hawkley has to get a serious mention here too our um, founding chairman and helped to, to, to get it all up and running and um, I think Pa was an inspirational part of the club in the early years to get it to where we are today and um, I think going back there will be nice on that day in particular and we have a huge day planned for the day after then in the club where we celebrate with all the rest of our uh, members mm-hmm. so I think they're, they're going to be two major days within the year it's going to be a busy time, busy all right. Weekend, yeah, yeah, busy weekend, all right. And make um, plenty of fundraising going on as well. And you certainly have plenty of plans for Knock Griffin Park. Yes, um, I suppose the 50 really is, 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 our, is our main challenge at the moment because we want to celebrate it, I suppose, in style. We want to have a great time. We want everyone to remember the 50 years. And there is a bit of cost because you, you, yeah. you, you want to make it that special. Um, so outside what Massey just said, the open day is a special. It's an open invitation to everyone, the volunteers, everyone involved. We want to, we want a photo shot of everyone. We want everyone to remember the occasion, and then and then we have tournaments um, mm-hmm. during the year that we're going to put our stamp of the fifty on it, and we've a we've a dinner in November, which is which should kick off a real special day for um, for the adult se- section of the club, mm-hmm. really, and um, we I suppose we have lots going on because. You know, I've seen us. Our team is thriving. Kevin Murray's the manager there, and uh, the, the, there's a lot going on to develop our young players because so many come through, and we want them to remember the past as well, and and to be part of what's going into the future. Um, and outside that, we have our development plans. So we, we we've we've two things in the pot at the moment. We're trying to celebrate our fiftieth, and we're also trying to build more facilities 
and acquire land and try and maximise Knock Griffin by building an all-weather playing pitch on the second. That'd be huge, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it would. It would. Um, I mean, you can train right through the year no matter what the weather and everyone gets a chance on it. And exactly, because uh, we, we can squeeze all the teams into Knock Griffin. We're going, out, we're going outside. It's costing a lot of money. So if we can have the second pitch, uh, it makes it much, much better. Um, but we know there's probably only a short scale net and we're, we're full again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will do a lot, uh, an awful lot for us but we know we have to keep planning for more land again and more space to keep developing. So fundraising is crucial. We, we need the support of so many people. We we know the businesses around us have been tremendous mm. over all the years. Um, they've helped us through many tough times when we had to buy land the first day back in 85. So they've been terrific and I'm sure they, they'll pop up again and help us you know, in, in many ways with our fundraising to get us over the line and, 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 and take us to the next level that we can develop, further develop the club. And set Middleton up for the next 50 years. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in here. Uh, thanks very much for coming in. Congratulations on the, the 50 year mark and the very, very best luck to all the plans for the future. Thank you. Yes, right. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. An absolute pleasure having Middleton in studio with me recently. And congratulations on them uh, reaching the, the 50 year anniversary. And uh, yeah, best of luck uh, to Middleton for the future. Massive congratulations as well to Middleton under 14 who were crowned national cup champions today. They had a four women over Belvedere in Tipperary this afternoon. So the uh, future certainly very, very bright for Middleton FC. Ireland have fallen just short against Bangladesh in their one day international. Bangladesh have won by just four runs. Bangladesh post a total of 274 in response Ireland posting a total of 270 for 9 in their 50 overs just before we wrap up let's get a full time report from that thriller between Derry and Armagh from Ashton O'Reilly it's all over here in Clonus after extra time and penalties and it's Derry who are the 2023 Ulster football winners back to back champions for the first time since 1976 there is incredible scenes out on the field with supporters the two best teams in Ulster going at it and there was nothing between them that is for sure Armagh scored one out of four penalties Derry scoring three out of four Derry started the extra time with 14 men after Brendan Rodgers picked up a black card at the end of normal time Shane McGuigan had a huge performance here today kicking seven points for Derry and one of them being the score to level the game Rian O'Neill was the star man for Armagh inspirational all aspects of play kicking five points the Ulster Championship is alive and well and it's Derry who are the back-to-back champions after winning on penalties 3-1 here in Clonus. Yeah, thrilling stuff. And this Derry man, certainly very, very happy with beating Armagh today. All right, that's it from us. Thank you very, very much indeed for listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM this evening. Uh, if you missed any part for sure, if you've missed yesterday's show, you can listen to our podcast. You'll get that on redfm.ie forward slash podcasts or search for Big Red Bench in your podcast provider. Mag's up next with three hours of the very best Irish music with green on red. red. Enjoy your Sunday evening for Folks, we'll be back to you next week. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.